Welcome to the Reasonable Theology Podcast, where we present sound doctrine in plain language. We're here to help you better understand, articulate, and live out the fullness of the Christian faith. And now, here's your host, Clay Craby. Well, welcome to this episode of the Reasonable Theology Podcast. We're joined on this episode by J. Aaron White. He's served in vocational ministry for over 10 years. He's been a worship director, associate pastor, and a senior pastor. He's married to his high school sweetheart, Tanya, and they have five children. He holds degrees in communication studies, systematic theology, and practical theology. And he's also the author of a book titled Man Up, Kneel Down, Shepherding Your Wife Toward Greater Joy in Jesus. Pastor White, thanks so much for joining us. Well, it's my pleasure and my honor to be here. Thank you so much. To start things off, could you tell us a bit about yourself, about your background, and what your current ministry looks like? You kind of hit all the high points when you shared my bio. <laughs> Probably the highest of that is that I did marry my high school sweetheart, Tanya, in 2004. And God saved us graciously uh, in a very close proximity of time. And so we've grown together you know, in marriage, but also in theology and in the gospel, kind of in lockstep. And so being that I wrote a book on marriage, I think people a lot of times want to know um, what gives you the right. And I still don't feel that I necessarily have the right. But I asked her today, I said, hey, I'm doing a podcast on, on the book. Do I have your blessing? <laughs> <laughs> and she said, yes, you have my blessing. It's, it's kind of like writing a book about humility. Oh, goodness. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've had so many people, even people that wrote endorsements for the book, they're like, you know what you're doing, right? I'm like, I know. Right. I know. But, uh, but yeah, no, that's, that's all true. Over 10 years of vocational ministry. I, I worked in law enforcement before that, actually, Okay. Uh, for about five years. And so um, my dad's been a police officer for 39 years, just retired. And so I went into law enforcement just by default, but um, started writing Christian worship songs, did a recording, was writing songs for the church, just, just happily serving, really, and then working with the elders that calling to vocational ministry and to preaching uh, became stronger and, and eventually was affirmed by a congregation. So it's been an interesting journey into ministry. I, I don't know how I would commend it to another young man, but at the same time, I'm very thankful the way it all worked out. Well, it's very helpful just to kind of get a sense of, of your background and how you kind of came to be involved in ministry. So you have this book, Man Up, Kneel Down, and it's focused on helping husbands love and lead their wives well. So what was the inspiration for actually sitting down to write this book? Um, well, I, let me just, by at the very beginning, let me preface for my own soul's sake that it, it wasn't because I think that I've arrived as a husband by any means. Um, but at the same time, I, I also want to give God glory by saying that I, I love being married. I, I love the, the blessings and the fruit of a Christ-centered marriage and the power of the gospel uh, to confess together, to repent together, to rejoice together, to worship together. So on the one hand, I'm not coming at this as an expert, but on the other hand, I, I do want to encourage other brothers in Christ, not only as a pastor, uh, but just as a fellow brother in Christ, um, that it is a joy to steward the gift of a godly wife. Um, and so I guess a lot of it was born out of my pastoral experience, true. A lot of time counseling guys, uh, a lot of guys who really love the Lord. Many, many of them have great theology. They're grounded in the gospel. Um, you know, they're reading theology. They're, they're feasting on the word. Uh, and that's good. Um, they're growing cerebrally. Uh, 
but a lot of them either because they came from a broken home, didn't they weren't directly discipled by a godly man. Uh, maybe they came into the gospel, <clears throat> you know, and, and studying the word of God later in life. They just struggle with applying what they know, not necessarily, you know, in debates. You know, they could do the apologetics thing, but when it comes to on the home front, um, they were just struggling and, and struggling to greater or lesser degrees. And I wanted to help them apply the theology that they love to their, as Peter says, their co-heir of the grace of life, which is their wife. And I guess the other thing that inspired it as well is working with elder candidates and, and encouraging men to aspire to the office of an elder and, and helping train them. You look at 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7, and Titus 1, one of the primary qualifications for us to serve as shepherds for God's people has to do with our domestic lives. I mean, it's, it's, it's not just theology, it's inescapably domestic. Husband of one wife, you know, uh, household in order, children in submission, and um, hospitable, and a lot of it is domestic. And so I was burdened not only for the guys I know, <clears throat> but also for the church abroad, uh, because we need good elders. We need godly men to stand up and lead in the church, and a lot of that begins at home. And so I just wanted to help them. No, and it definitely does look to be be a help. Um, obviously, we're going to be commending the book throughout the conversation here. Uh, but before we get at kind of the content that that you have, um, what do we learn just from the pages of Scripture itself about the duties of a husband to his wife? Yeah, that <laughs> that's the question. If we believe in the sufficiency of Scripture, um, you know, we can write self-help books and 10 Steps to this, that, and the other thing, which are fine, but it really boils down to what is the Word of God mandated? And so if we were to sit down, you and I, or you know, you and your listeners, were to sit down and say, let's write a book for husbands, um, so let's do a systematic overview of Scripture and cull everything that the Word of God has to say about husbands and being a husband, and you know, what, what would we come up with? And so you kind of have those primary passages, especially in the New Testament, of, um, you know, Ephesians 5 is probably the, the primary text. Husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. And there's a lot of theology packed into that statement. Um, uh, 1 Peter 3, you know, husbands living with their wives in an understanding way as co-heirs of the grace of life so that your prayers are not hindered. And, uh, but... It, there's a lot kind of baked into these texts that you can say, okay, love my wife as Christ loved the church. I, is that just being self-sacrificial or is there a lot in that? I don't think there's a lot there. <laughs> you know, when you do a, an overview of the church and ecclesiology and the work of Christ and, and all these things are baked into that statement. And so I started just kind of just exegeting it in my mind, thinking, what does it mean for me to love Tanya as Christ loved the church? Is it just being willing to lay down my life? Well, that, that's part of it. Um, but then you start reading um, well, one book that I would commend that greatly inspired and encouraged me is uh, Dave Harvey's book, When Sinners Say I Do. That's uh, another book by Shepherd Press, and specifically his final chapter. And of course, we're all borrowing from ages past, you know. He's pulling from the, the Puritans, but he was talking about helping your spouse die well. And going back and quoting, you know, some of the Puritans, you know, Richard Baxter and different things. And so that just helped kind of provoke my thought that there is a lot 
to this idea of shepherding my wife, helping her as a co-heir of the grace of life, helping her persevere, being one of the main means of grace to help her persevere to the end, to help her die well, or for her to help me die well and to be ready to meet the Lord. And, um, and so I, I see a lot of chatter about, you know, stewarding our children and, and catechizing our children. And I say amen to that. And I wanted to introduce to that con- conversation, how are we stewarding our spouses and how are we helping them run the race? And so that's probably a lot longer answer than you needed, but that's where I landed. Well, that's, that's helpful. And I think in, in our best moments, I think men see that clearly in the pages of Scripture. They they see the attractiveness of that when they see it done well, whether that's a book a Puritan wrote or or someone that they know or a book calling them to be what God has called them to be. And, and yet for many, if not most, if not all, man, this is difficult to do. Why is this so difficult for us as guys, as husbands? You want the short answer? Yes. Because <laughs> we're sinners. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't say that, you know, tongue in cheek too much because it, it really is the things that God is calling us to. You know, I'm going to kind of, you know, reveal my cards as a Christian hedonist here, but he's calling us to joy. Uh, he, he's not calling us to, to some sort of debtor's ethic of, hey, I saved you and now you owe me. So you got to do all these, you know, do- domestic religious things that you don't want to do. Um, that's bad theology. You know, he's calling us to joy. And it, it should give me joy to increase her joy because when she's glorifying God, my joy increases and God gets the glory. And so it's circular. And, um, so there's a lot of motivations in Scripture you know, to, to fight the sin. And you can fill in the blank. Apathy, love of comfort, um, sloth, I mean, to use an old word. Uh, and really to fight the the things that distract us from being that kind of proactive husband. Often those things are, sometimes they're sinful. Sometimes it's things like pornography and different things that can kill uh, that type of joyful marriage. Um, but even amoral things like just working too much or just relaxing too much or being involved with hobbies too much. I mean, we enjoy all the things that God gives. You know, I I enjoy a good cup of coffee to the glory of God, and I, I enjoy a hike in the woods to the glory of God. But but also any time that sin or even just a weight, you know, to use the language of Hebrews 12, pulls me away from shepherding my wife, I, I have to remind myself that pouring into her and leading her to Christ and, and strengthening her and exhorting her, not only as a wife but as a sister in Christ, um, that is joy. That, that's a that's a battle for her joy and, and a battle for my joy. And um, and so I, I think we really have to guard ourselves against the idea that, you know, I, I got to go do this uh, religious marital thing, you know, just to kind of appease her and appease God. I mean, that when you vocalize it that way, you realize how far from the gospel we've strayed. And so, some of it is fighting our sin, uh, lust, and idleness and all those you know things that we fight in the process of sanctification Um, but also on the positive side realizing that there is there is god glorifying pleasure to be had in shepherding your wife toward christ and and you along with her so fighting pleasure with pleasure if you will 
So a lot of the challenge, not exclusively, but a lot of the challenge is is men having to learn to say no to many things, sinful things, but also good and even even great things that you'll just need to learn to say no to. So you can use your limited time and your energy and resources to pursue and to love and to lead your spouse. Oh, yeah. And, you know, if you get the book and you see the, the chapters are, I try to make them short shorter just because i know guys are busy some guys don't like to read these these big you know systematic works you know so it's a it's a fairly accessible book and and written in hopefully fairly accessible language it's meant to be because that's what i need (laughs) but i just wanted to to have the chapters be highly practical but very much gospel centered and so one of the chapters talks about uh, as you pursue christ bring her with you you know it Sometimes it, we, we overcomplicate things. And so if I have a good cup of coffee, and I'm totally borrowing from C.S. Lewis right now, so I'm just going just gonna to preface with that. But C.S. Lewis said that you know joy experienced is not consummated until it is expressed in praise. And that's my paraphrase. Meaning, if I'm studying the Word of God and I'm, just, I'm enjoying what I see or I heard a good sermon on the way to work, you know, I was listening to a podcast like Reasonable Theology, which is probably one of the best, and... <laughs> um, <laughs> or listening to a sermon, you know, or we just have a glut of resources. And if I hear something really biblically tasty, the first person I should share that joy with, it should overflow to her. Uh, not as a self-righteous, high-handed, you need to hear this, but as a, a sharing of my joy, just like when I have a good cup of coffee, one of the first things I say to her is, this is really good, you should try it. And if I can do that with a cup of coffee, how much more when I taste and see that the Lord is good in a book or a sentence or a podcast or a video. And so just folding her into that joy and saying, come with me. Uh, And you'll find, I find that she starts doing the same thing for me, which often is a means of grace when my affections are cold or my faith is failing. She'll come along and share her joy uh, by sharing a devotional or a verse or a sermon. Uh, And so it, it really becomes cyclical not that it's without peril and not that there aren't hard days, but uh, they really are a co-heir of grace. And so that would be my commendation is uh, don't see it so much as just duty, but the duty of delight. You know, fold her into your joy in the Lord and she will do the same for you. Yeah, a real, real practical step that, that men can start taking, uh, wives too, but men in particular, to help put some of this into action. That's helpful. Now, each chapter of your book, it delves into a different duty that men have towards their spouses. What are some of the duties that you talk about in your book? Well, some of them, you know, the first and best question is what, again, under the sufficiency of Scripture, what does the Word of God call for us to do? You know, and you have to work, you have to work out those commands that are very clear uh, from Scripture in terms of loving them clearly shepherding them Uh, but there's also a lot baked into that in terms of what what does it mean to be a christ-like husband to love my wife as christ loved the church and when you extrapolate that then you you start getting this idea of shepherding this idea of protecting this idea of providing uh, both physical things you know if you don't care for your household you're worse than an unbeliever and so there is the call to labor uh, do all things for the glory of god there's also the idea of, of shepherding her. I mean, if I'm called to train my children in the fear and admonition of the Lord, um, 
what does that say about my duty toward my wife? Am I supposed to jump over her <laughs> and totally neglect, you know, shepherding her soul just so I can shepherd theirs? And I, I just think that's fundamentally wrong, you know. So I have guys that will sometimes, you know, tell me what they're doing for, for family worship, which is great. That's awesome. We as dads should share our joy. You know, the Shema of Deuteronomy 6, as we get up, as we go by the way, we speak of the works of God with our children. Um, but I, sometimes I'll, I'll just kind of ask or allude to, have you shared that with your wife? And um, it doesn't take long for a lot of guys, you know, especially if they really they love the Lord and they want to they please Him. Uh, it doesn't take long for them to realize that, yeah, that, that is a duty I have, that is a stewardship that I have, that He's entrusted this woman to me to care for her. And that doesn't mean just putting a roof over her head and, and keeping her physically safe, which it is those things, but it's also keeping her spiritually safe. And especially if you aspire to the eldership, which my book isn't written for guys that only aspire to eldership by any means, but especially if you do have any aspirations for church leadership, if you have a heart to care for God's people, she's one of them. Um, especially if, obviously, you go to the same church, she's one of your congregants, she's one of the sheep that you care for. And so it's not enough just to keep her physically safe. I want to make sure she's got good resources, good teaching. Um, and, and I'm modeling a, a joyful pursuit of Christ for her, just like I want to model that for my church. Um, and so seeing your home as a little church, it sounds puritanical. And, and sometimes it can sound overwhelming. But I just want to encourage men of all walks of life, um, whether you drive a truck for a living, whether you're a doctor, it doesn't matter. You've got the gospel. You've got the word of God, and it, it can work. And so take heart. Don't buy the lie that, you know, it'll never work, or that's for the, the theologically elite. That That's totally bogus. Um, I know a lot of guys that are just salt of the earth, guys that love the Lord, that because of a God-centered intentionality have seen a lot of fruit in their marriages and, and in their families. So I want guys to be massively encouraged by this. Are there any of the duties that you talk about that you've found that men find especially challenging? <laughs> it, it really has to do with the different proclivities of each of each man because we're so different. At the same time, we're not that different. <laughs> we all struggle with indwelling sin. A lot of it is pride. A lot of it is laziness, um, anger. You know, different different things that a lot of guys are, are constantly battling um, and and often win by God's grace you know, but it's progressive but I think because of those those inherent proclivities sinful proclivities I think it's it's interesting the things that you find difficult you wouldn't maybe have anticipated and so because of pride um, and wanting to look a certain way you might find that sending her a sermon link and encouraging her to, to listen to it and, and telling her how much it blessed you is pretty easy. But, you know, reaching over and taking her hand at night before you go to bed and praying for her out loud, you might find extremely difficult and uncomfortable. But it, but prayer shouldn't be that difficult because <laughs> a lot of us pray before a meal and we pray throughout the day. So why is it so hard to pray for our wives? Well, <clears throat> so some of these things... Um, that you might even do for another guy that you're discipling. You know, you meet a guy at a coffee shop after work and you're going through a book together or a small group at church and you pray for him. Uh, 
why is that so difficult to do for the woman who, you know, you are one flesh with and who has had your children and who lays next to you at night and is a co-heir of the grace of life. And so some of these things really are not that difficult. They just strike at our pride because our wives see us day to day. And in the middle of an argument to go and lay your hands on her shoulders and say, hey, forgive me for fill in the blank. I love you. I'm for you. Um, will you pray for me? Because a lot of this argument is fueled by my own arrogance. And, and I don't want to set that standard in this home. So I, would you please pray for me? And to have your wife pray for you out loud, it's a humbling thing. But I hope in time you realize that these, these things are not biblically anomalous. Like This is normal Christian living. And I think once guys turn that corner in their head that, you know, this is normal. And, it, and not only that, but it's, it's life-giving and it's joyful. Um, it's pretty easy to convince somebody to do something that they enjoy. <laughs> yeah. That's my hope. If you enjoy the sermons and written works of C.H. Spurgeon, I encourage you to check out the all-new chspurgeon.com. Here you'll find free, unabridged sermon audio delivered with the dynamic of live preaching, articles written by and about the Prince of Preachers, a chronological bibliography of all his books, and much more. This will be a growing library of Spurgeon-related resources to help you in your walk with the Lord. So check it out at chspurgeon.com. Now, a lot of this seems to kind of center around this this need, this concept of just being more selfless, being less self-focused in our marriages. You've mentioned a few of several really good, helpful, practical tips. Any other practical ways that, that husbands can work to become more selfless in their marriages? Because this isn't just going to be, hey, I read a great book, I listened to a great interview, and now I'm just going to do it. Uh, there There needs to be practical steps that are taken to help us move in the direction that God is calling us? What, what can men do to become more selfless? Well, that, that's a really critical component in that I'm glad you brought that up because one of my fears, well, maybe not fears, but one of my concerns in writing the book uh, was that there's a lot of self-help in, in, in Christian diets. You know? And so on the one hand, I wanted it to be very, very practical because we need practical help. But I, I didn't want just a how-to book. You know, here's 10 steps to a better marriage is, is not what I wanted to write um, because I don't want to just moralize men without getting to their hearts. And so actually my publisher very wisely says, could you write a, not a forward to the book because the forward was written by uh, Dr. Sam Crabtree from Bethlehem Baptist, but could you write an introduction that really kind of hits the right note that this book is for Christian men and calling them to examine themselves and, and really grounding this in the gospel. And I said, amen, yes, that's, I will do that right now. And I, I hope that guys take the time to read the introduction uh, because what I don't want to do is have someone who uh, is unsaved, unregenerate, doesn't know the gospel, and says, hey, here's a book that will make my marriage better because it, it just won't be fruitful. You know, I want guys, first and foremost, to preach the gospel to themselves. You know, Martin Luther said that years ago and down through the centuries guys like Jerry Bridges and Paul David Tripp and I mean many others have said preach the gospel to yourself and so I don't want guys to wake up and say okay gotta 
pull up my proverbial bootstraps and be more selfless today. Um, I want them to get up and say, Lord, I, I can't, um, but you can. And preach those promises of grace into your own soul. Uh, I think it was George Mueller, I think, or it might have been Jeremiah Burroughs. Somebody <laughs> said, before I do anything with my day, the first duty is to get my soul happy in the Lord. And so for guys, it's critical to you know, feed your own soul. Preach the gospel to yourself. Be honest about your sin and be honest about the, the grace of God in Christ and let that overflow to your life. And so that would be the, the biggest caveat, I think, is when you're talking about selflessness. Because there are some days where I don't feel very selfless. As a matter of fact, I feel very selfish. So what do I do? Well, there is a duty that you, you do it and you trust the Lord. But he also gives us a lot of precious promises to motivate our hearts to that duty. And so you've got to be really shrewd with your own soul and, uh, and not just passively wait for this selflessness to rush into your life, but preach to yourself. And, um, and I think you will find the grace flowing through your life at that point to then act on these things. But that is a critical caveat. Is preach to yourself first. Now, it's, it's one thing for someone to be listening to this that's maybe engaged, is newlyweds, been married for six months. I think it's probably quite another to, to listen to this, understand that, yes, I am called to these things, and you've been married 15, 20, 30 years and have not done this. I think it's a, a particular challenge for a husband who hasn't been fulfilling his biblical role. So what advice would you give to a man who really needs to, to start doing something that he's not done, his wife knows he hasn't done it, but he knows he needs to do it. Hmm. Well, if, if there is a listener right now in that boat, and they even maybe just had a ping of conviction and maybe they're tempted to log off, I just want to say, brother, don't log off. Stay put. And hear me. Begin again. Just begin again. There, there's a lot of guys that I, they face that when it comes to doing family worship of you know, they've been a Christian for many years, they, they love the Lord, they've had their family in regular worship on Sundays, but when it comes to the idea of, you know, fathers instructing their children in the fear and admonition of the Lord, they've, they've never had it modeled, it never dawned on them, and there's a lot of guilt. And so, um, or some can say, you know, I knew I should be doing it, but I, I just didn't. I would say the answer is pretty much the same for all of us in that camp. Repent, you know, confess your sin to the Lord, uh, 1 John 1.9 reminds us that there is forgiveness for us. Don't have to live in constant shame and just begin again. Where you might go through a season where you and your wife are, you're just, you're really pouring into her and this is really fresh and then maybe it fades away and then you feel guilty. Same thing when you, you know, I've had seasons where we're doing family worship with my kids. You know, I have kids all the way from one year to 14. Uh, we're doing family worship regularly and because of the pace of life or vacation or different things, we, we get off track. And I got a couple of choices. I can wallow in self-pity and shame, or I can believe my own theology, repent, and begin again. And I can say that there's a lot of grace on their part when you, you say, guys, you know, please forgive me. I've, I've kind of let this fall by the wayside, but it is my joy to do this, and I'd really like to start again. I found a lot of grace from my kids, and, and thankfully I found a lot of grace from my wife when I can say, hey, I, forgive me, I haven't really shepherded your heart well lately, but I want to begin again. So I don't care if it's been 15 years or 15 minutes. Just begin again. Trust the gospel. Yeah. Yeah, I'm reminded of that uh, 
that saying, you know, the best time to plant a tree is 10 years ago and the second best time is today. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I've just seen, I've seen Satan get a lot of mileage uh, with shaming guys uh, who have the gospel. They, they understand the gospel and yet the constant shame. Um, I'm not cheapening repentance. I mean, especially if it's been a willful neglect, there needs to be genuine repentance of that. But the gospel does beckon us to forgiveness and to joy and to look our wives in the eye and say, you know what, I'm a sinner and I have not shepherded you well, but Christ died to cover that and I'm asking for your, your forgiveness as well and I'd like to begin again. You know, it's been 10 years since we did devotions together in the morning or it's been 15 years since I've prayed for you at night, but I'd love to get back on that for your joy, for mine, for the glory of God. You know, I, okay, let's begin again. Yeah, and if there are those that are that are listening and, and they realize they need to begin or, or begin again this, you know, a great first step is, I do commend this book, Man Up, Kneel Down, where they can see some real practical ways to, to start making this a priority in their life and in their marriage. Any, any closing advice or counsel to the husbands who might be listening? Closing advice to the husbands. Um, well, I hope there are husbands listening, and I hope there's future husbands listening. Um, Obviously, I, I want to come alongside Christian men who maybe it has been 10 or 15 years uh, and, and they, they either don't know where to start or they're really ashamed. I want to encourage them, just as we just talked about. I also want to talk you know, and address newlyweds in the book that are just coming into being a, a husband. Um, and some are really eager to do the right thing and some are overwhelmed. And especially in our current cultural climate, some of these things sound, and that's why one of my, my headings in my book was intentionally provocative, as if the gospel needs to be more provocative. But it was, don't let chivalry die on your watch. Uh, not chivalry for the sake of chivalry, per se, um, but God-glorifying, humble, loving chivalry. Uh, and, that, and that falls hard on the ears of, a, of the culture right now. You know, it seems demeaning or patriarchal or whatever it may be, but... Um, open the door for her if she's carrying something heavy carry it for her you know I mean some of these things that uh, you know when it says in First Peter 3 that you know their co-heirs is a weaker vessel that obviously doesn't mean an intellect or even morality per se but, but God has blessed you to be a protector for her and, <clears throat> and so I hope there's husbands on a broad spectrum you know that are just coming into marriage or have been married for a long time or even young men who are contemplating marriage uh, to just don't be overwhelmed. So this is my counsel. Don't be overwhelmed. Trust the gospel. Trust, trust the God of the gospel. Um, and just know that this is not a call to joyless duty. This is a call to joyful, God-glorifying stewardship. And so get that in your head. That this isn't a call to a, a checklist just to get your wife off your back. Uh, no, no, no. This is a call to God-glorifying, joyful stewardship of a gift that he's given us or will give us. So that would be my counsel. Don't be overwhelmed. Fight for joy. And, you know, this conversation obviously has been primarily focused on, on the husband. That's the purpose of the book. But no doubt we have wives and, and future wives listening as well. What counsel might you give them? Well, I had, I guess for their sake, if there are wives or future wives listening, I, I had my wife, Tanya, read the manuscript to the book before it went to the publisher. And uh, Tanya and I, I won't say how old 
she is, but I'll say that we're similar ages, and I'm almost 39, you know, flirting with 40. Uh, we were married, we will be married 16 years at uh, the end of this month. And so, uh, just to kind of give you some perspective, you know, some people might be thinking, you know, is, is this guy 21 or 18, just got married last year, or, you know, no, but I'm also not you know, 65. I look forward to the day where I can say, we have been blessed with 50 years of marriage. Uh, but we're somewhere in the middle right now. You know, we've been married for quite a while. We have five kids, a house. I do have a minivan. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that's just the boat we're in. And so for the wives, I just want you to know uh, that I have my wife, Tanya, who loves the Lord. Uh, she's in she's in the boat a lot of you are in, not all, but many. You know, she's raising children. And we do homeschool. I'm not saying, you know, you have to homeschool. It's not a sign of sanctification or anything. That's just our choice. So she's got her hands full. And so I said, I want you to read this and tell me, A, am, am I doing this? Can I, can I put this forth for publishing with a clear conscience? And if I'm not, let, let's talk about that. Um, but also just to get her perspective. And she had some, some good feedback just with word choices and what do you mean by this, that, that type of thing. Um, but it was very encouraging from someone who represents, I, I think, a lot of Christian wives. Not all. Every situation is different. But... You know, many can relate to my wife just because of our lifeboat. <clears throat> and to have her say, I, I think this will really help husbands because it's accessible, it's, it's Christ-centered, and it would really be a blessing to wives if their husbands would step up and do this. Um, a lot of wives are hungry for their, for their husbands to do this. And so I hope that this will produce joy in the lives of many wives as a as a byproduct or an intentional byproduct of seeing their husbands fold them into their joy in Christ. And so that that would be my hope. Well, we really appreciate your time, Pastor White, as you've kind of given us a look at your book, Man Up, Kneel Down, Shepherding Your Wife Toward Greater Joy in Jesus. Where can folks go to pick up a copy and also to maybe learn a little bit more about you and your ministry? Oh, sure. Um, well, the book is available through Shepherd Press, and Shepherd Press is known for works like Shepherding a Child's Heart by Ted Tripp and, and a lot of other really good works. Dave Harvey has some, some books through them. So Shepherd Press is a really good gospel-centered publisher. They really vet their material well, and I have found them to be uh, just exceedingly gracious. And so you can go to Shepherd Press on their website. Uh, of course, the book uh, is available in e format and Kindle format right now, but the paperback will be available in August. Uh, COVID kind of set things back a little bit for, for everybody, I think. But you can get the e-version now and download it uh, at Shepherd Press or Amazon or pretty much any mainline, you know, online retailer. Uh, or in August, you can also get a hold of the paperback copy of Man Up, Neil Down through Shepherd Press or Amazon. And I also have an author website. It's kind of in the formative stages right now, but it, it is up and running, and, and I have some blogs on there and different things and pictures of my kids and my wife, but, and that's uh, jawhiteauthor.com, jawhiteauthor.com. Excellent, and we will be sure to link to not only book, the book, but the other resources that have been mentioned throughout this episode, and you can find that in the show notes at reasonabletheology.org slash episode 32. J. Aaron White, thank you so much for your time and for sharing about your book with us today. Oh, it's my pleasure, brother. Thank you so much, and, and God bless you for what you're doing, and keep the gospel going forth. Appreciate you. 
Thanks for listening to the Reasonable Theology Podcast. Be sure to visit reasonabletheology.org for more helpful resources on understanding, articulating, and living out the Christian faith. In addition to the show notes for this episode, you'll find articles, videos, book reviews, and much more. That's reasonabletheology.org. Thanks again for listening. If you enjoy the Reasonable Theology podcast, go to reasonabletheology.org slash subscribe and get the weekly email. Each week I send out the latest article or podcast episode, and each email also includes a helpful definition to expand your theological vocabulary, a beautiful painting depicting a scene from scripture or church history, a musical selection to enrich your day, as well as the best book deal I've found that week to add trusted resources to your library. Try it out at reasonabletheology.org slash subscribe.